Welcome to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. In each episode, you'll discover business books past and present that are changing the lives of people just like you. We'll cover some hidden gems, some lost classics, and shed new light on books you thought you knew. Guests range from up-and-coming coaches, consultants, speakers, and authors to big names sharing things they've never shared on podcasts before. I'm Matt Johnson, agency owner, podcaster, and author of Microfamous. I'll be your host for this journey through the land of life-changing books. So let's dig in. Welcome back. Our special guest today is Rich Brooks. You might know him best as the founder, organizer, mastermind of the Agents of Change Conference. He also hosts the Agents of Change podcast and speaks all over the place, especially at marketing and entrepreneur events. What you might not know is that behind the scenes, he runs a very successful boutique marketing agency up in the great state of Maine. And we're talking today about Robert Cialdini's classic Influence, which is going to, I think, show up probably on, on the short list for a lot of people. Um, but we talk about three very specific things that affected the way that Rich uh, looks at life and business. And really, it's become baked into the way that he does marketing for all of his clients. So it's really, really interesting. If you're not familiar with the book, this is a great introduction to it. If you have read the book, but it's been a while like me, this is a great catch up refresher on some of the principles that you might not be leveraging enough of in your business and you're losing sales because of it. So without further ado, let's jump in with Rich. Rich Brooks, officially, welcome to the show. Officially, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been a while since we talked. Uh, we did an episode together, I believe, on micro-famous conversations. It's been a couple of years, and then we've hung out, I think, maybe once or twice in person around various uh, social media events, uh, social I think media it was marketing my, world, right? Yeah, the last conference I went to, sadly That's to right. say. It was the one yeah. right before the world lost its freaking mind. It was, uh, <laughs> it was March, early March of 2020. That's where exactly what it was. That's hilarious. I hadn't thought about that in a while. Uh, I may have actually gotten sick off that conference. So, uh, so I blame you. Let's quote that. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'm still healthy. I never got sick. It wasn't me. Uh, talk to somebody else. <laughs> talk to somebody else. I'll, I will do that. I'm going to try. Yeah, you, you, all 4,000 people. Exactly. All right. So, uh, give us just for those that uh, in the audience that don't know you, although a lot of them will, from your experience, you know, speaking, you're, you're out there very, very visibly. You're hosting the agents of change conference. You've got the agents of change podcast. You're speaking all over the place and all this stuff. For those that might not know the 60 second bio, give us that and kind of who you are, where you are, what you do. Sure. Uh, well, you mentioned kind of like, uh, my, my favorite thing to do, which is the agents of change, both the conference when there's not a pandemic going on. We've been running it for eight years, uh, here in Maine, get a good sized audience for such a, uh, unpopulated state. And then I've got the weekly podcast and I have amazing guests like you, uh, come on the show and talk about, uh, digital marketing expertise, uh, how to find your ideal customer online. And I also have been running a digital agency called flight new media, uh, for 24 plus years. And uh, that started in Boston. And when I moved up to Maine, I brought it with me, which was really just me at that point. But now we're a boutique agency of about 10 people. And I also have another podcast now, which is a little bit more locally focused called Fast Forward Maine, where I interview people who are involved in the Maine business ecosystem. And yes, there is a main business ecosystem, and it's beyond just lobsters and blueberries. So uh, that's that's basically the the sixty seconds on Rich Brooks. That's awesome, and I hadn't I didn't know you were doing like a locally focused podcast, but that is a killer idea. I'd imagine it's a great way to build kind of a strategic referral network of uh, of future potential clients and people that can send you clients. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's just a good way to connect with people in the business arena that I wasn't meeting when I was doing tweet ups and other things. It's just this different audience. And um, I'm learning a lot about it, the state economics as well, which I find fascinating. And the whole idea is this is all advice I wish I had 24 years ago when I was starting my company. So it's, it's kind of a, a great lesson for me as well, reinforcing some stuff, but also for new entrepreneurs to check it out. And no, you don't have to live in the state of Maine. Uh, you can just ask your uh, Alexis, Alexa to uh, play the latest episode. That's right. Thank God we don't have to be in the state of Maine to listen to your stuff. It'd be a very small, very small, <laughs> very audience. small audience. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about influence, the Robert Cialdini classic, which, uh, speaking of things that you wish you'd come across when you were a teenager or in your early twenties, this is one of those books. Although I could say yeah. that about most of the books I've read in my thirties, I kick myself because they were around, you know, like the, this book has been around for a long time. There's a lot of books like that that have been around for a long time that I have no idea why I didn't find them earlier other than, you know, coming across a show like this that gave me kind of the, the, the little bullet points and, and gave me a reason to go seek it out. Uh, this is one of those books that I wish I'd sought out earlier. So it's been massively influential for you. So just uh, tell me a little bit about when you maybe first came across it, and then we'll get into just some of the things that jumped out to you and still do. Well, I rarely remember anything like that, but I happen to remember very distinctly how I heard about this book. Um, I had just seen Lewis Howes speak, and this was before he was Lewis Howes. He mm. was just kind of this up and coming guy who was mostly talking about his uh, indoor football arena experience. And he mentioned this book and I was like, I love psychology. I had gone to school originally thinking I was going to be a psychology major, be a psychologist. Uh, that didn't end up being my path, but I always loved psychology. So when I heard this, I'm like, that's interesting to me. So I ended up grabbing the book immediately and I tore through it and I've read it since like two or three times. And it's got an interesting backstory, which I believe is true, which is he wrote this book to prevent people from being overly influenced by salespeople and marketers. The book right. so like sold almost like a so poorly. Tool. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The book sold so poorly, they actually stopped supporting it. But then all of a sudden, some marketing people found it. And all of a sudden it became the Rosetta Stone of marketing and it had, boom, it blew up. And now he's got like a, I guess it's a sequel. It's called, uh, what is it? Pre-influence or something like something that? Pre-fluence? Like Pre-suasion like yeah. or, yeah. P yes, that's exactly. That Pre-suasion, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is good, but I still think the original is the best. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, I was going to say, when you when you write a classic like that, it's, it's hard to top. But I hadn't heard that backstory. That's interesting. Um, I could totally see that being the case because that you, you do get that flavor throughout the book, which I thought when I first read it, I thought was odd because I didn't know that backstory, but now it makes perfect sense. But yeah. okay. All right. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. There's everything from uh, social proof, authority, which are the ones that, uh, that I talk about in Microfamous a lot, uh, commitment, consistency, reciprocation, which might be the one that we start with, and scarcity. Uh, so there's, a, there's way more than we can get into in a quick 15-minute chat about this book. So we're going to start with just a few things that really jumped out to you that you've applied and really made its way kind of like baked into your marketing agency. So let's talk about reciprocity first. So what did that, why did that jump out to you? What's, the, what's one of the ways that you've applied it? Well, and for those who people who don't exactly understand it, it there's just a, a need in human beings to balance the scales. So when somebody does something for you, there is, you want to do something back, even if you weren't expecting or even wanting them to give you or do something for you, the feeling of reciprocity is incredibly strong and it's baked into us as human beings. And uh, one clear example when it comes to marketing or digital marketing, which is where I spend my time, would be the idea of like a free download or any sort of free giveaway. Uh, and sometimes that's how we get somebody's email uh, address so we can add them to our email list 
or sometimes it's just to give it away for free with the idea that it comes back to us. And, you know, there's always that idea of like what you put out into the universe comes back to you many times over. And whether you believe in that or not, there is the definite scientifically proven idea that when you do something for somebody, most human beings will feel an obligation to return that favor to you. In fact, somebody recently pointed out to me, not my favorite show, but I know it's a huge show for a lot of people is, um, oh, what's that nerd show? Uh, Big Bang Theory, right? <laughs> so Big Bang Theory, like the the pretty blonde gives a gift to the nerdy guy and uh, you, know, you don't have to give me anything back. And he's like, oh no, you don't understand. You didn't just give me a gift. You gave me an obligation. Right. And he understands <laughs> yes. the social necessities and niceties, even if he doesn't like to participate in them. He mm. now understands he has to get a gift at least that good <laughs> to give back. So it's that idea that um, you know, when you do something for somebody, there is that requirement. So that, yeah. that's something you can bake into your into your marketing. And I just want to say, because that can come across as really smarmy or really kind of underhanded, that yeah. all of these techniques, the six weapons of influence in the book can be used for good or evil. And I assume everybody listening to this podcast is only good. So I'm not going to worry about it, but obviously it could get into the wrong hands. <laughs> that, that is theoretically true. Although we really don't even have to worry about it. I mean, how, I mean, just the audience of this show is nothing but uh, the most ethical Saints. people ever yes. saying exactly, exactly. Um, so reciprocation is interesting. Uh, I, I think the biggest place where that's kind of found its way into my world is in how I build relationships kind of behind the scenes, uh, which I talk about like later on in, in the book that I think anybody that's kind of in the world of podcasting, podcasters are, are interesting, like the whole world of like the thought leaders who, who podcast, you know this better than I do. There's, there's actually a pretty good abundance mentality and a lot of helping people, helping each other out, you know, trading guest ideas, kind of in, like introducing people to each other behind the scenes and all this stuff. What I didn't realize before I jumped into this world is that's where a lot of, you know, like joint venture opportunities come from. That's where a lot of speaking engagements come from, emceeing opportunities. Like I was talking to Michael O'Neill about that. He had booked a whole slew of emceeing opportunities right before COVID hit. A lot of them were relationship driven. And um, it's, it's one of those things where if you understand the principle that's going on there, I mean, yes, it could be manipulated in a negative way, but at the, at the end of the day, even if you did have a negative intent to it, if you're still doing nice things for people and, and you know, introducing and setting people up and kind of building these relationships behind the scenes, you're going to end up having good things happen, even if your motive eventually is to sell something, right? And for a lot of us, of course, we want to sell. That doesn't mean we need to sell to the people that we're talking to right in front of our face at that moment. And I think that's where the reciprocity kind of comes in for me is understanding that, hey, the person I'm talking to right now might not be the person who buys, but if I make a great first impression on them, I might get a referral from them two years from now, five years from now. And they say, man, you, you just, you gotta, you gotta connect with Matt. Like he's awesome. I just had a call like this the other day and I'm sure you get these too. Somebody just referred somebody out of the blue and said, you've got to talk to Matt. Like Matt's yeah. awesome. Just talk to him. That happens all the time. And like, then I have to go through my database and figure out who was the person who referred me. I'm like, exactly. I'm, oh, they went to my conference for like four years ago. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. they must've had a good time. We must've had a good conversation when I was there. So exactly. absolutely. In fact, if I could just tell a quick, quick story to kind of uh, illustrate this. Years ago, before I switched over to snowboarding, I needed to get new uh, ski boots. And I went to this place and the guys got this like foot measuring device with lasers on it. And he spent, he spent like 20 minutes measuring every aspect of my feet, telling me the type of foot I have and what kind. And I knew right then 
I was going to buy a pair of boots from him no matter what they cost. And in my mind, I had a budget of $400 and I walked out of there with $700 boots. Right. I skied with those boots three times before I switched over snowboarding. But the bottom line is like, it was, I knew he was giving me so much time and attention. Mm -hmm. I would have felt wrong, you know, just walking away or walking away and buying those on like Amazon or REI or something like that. Like I knew I was going to give him my business. And that's just one example of the, the power of reciprocity. Yeah, I love it. Unfortunately, we don't see that show up as much anymore when we ask for somebody's free email in exchange. Now it's like, whoa, whoa come on, man. Come on, I don't yeah. want you crowd in my inbox. Okay, let's jump into uh, social proof. So how have you applied that and what, what kind of jumped out to you about that principle? Well, social proof is just interesting because I've been talking about this for a while. And, you know, I always think back to my college days when you would get like uh, 10 people to look up at the ceiling at the same time. And suddenly everybody in the room has to look up, too, because we are constantly looking to others to understand what our behavior should be in a given situation. And we can use this very powerfully on our websites and in our marketing uh, to show people who might be coming to our website for the first time or might be introduced to us on social media for the first time that we are worthy of their risk, whether it's a risk of just their time and attention or of their money. And we can do this. And one of the most powerful ways to do this um, on your website or even in social media is through the testimonials. So when you have clients, there's a few different ways. So one is testimonials and, you know, using somebody's full name is better than using, you know, like, you know, podcaster from San Diego, you know, that's not going to be as powerful, you know, using somebody's full name, using a photograph of that person is going to even add to it. And if you can possibly get these people on video and like the magic words are something like, you know, I was struggling with my podcast and I just couldn't seem to find the time to consistently deliver on it. And then I discovered Matt and his uh, and his system. And I swear it's been the greatest decision I've ever made. I, you know, something like that, everybody who's struggling with their podcast is immediately going to be like, Oh my God, that's just like me. Yeah. And they're going to be much more willing to check you out. So that's mm -hmm. one version of social proof where it's really like, I can identify with that person. And then yeah. the other aspect of social proof is quantity. So quality and, and then quantity. So qual uh, quantity would be more like, I want you to join my newsletter or subscribe to my newsletter and join 2,500 or 25,000 other podcasters getting the latest information about all the changes in podcasting. Yeah. So then it's a numbers game where it's like, wow, if all these people are subscribed to Matt's email, it must be valuable. Or if this many people are following him on Instagram or whatever the case may be. So using those, whether it's quality or whether it's quantity, but using these social proofs can really reduce the fear of loss that a lot of us feel when we visit a website or when we're checking out somebody because we want to make a, a buying decision. Yeah, it's it's un, yeah, it's so unbelievably true. Like Instagram and, and social media networks have really figured out how to tap into that. It's one of the best things that they've done. It's also one of the most corrosive and societal destroying things they've done. But it's hey, that's that's human nature. Right. Um, yeah, there's there's everything good example. is also bad, especially I, I in know. excess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I used to work for an agency where <clears throat> for about the first five years and and thou I don't know, a thousand clients they worked with or something like that, they had no uh, WordPress website. Right. They took a long time before they finally pulled the trigger and built the full website. And why was that? Well, because the, the founder was obsessively focused on getting testimonials. So even though they had a very, very simple, plain white, almost like a blog style website, that blog was full 
of testimonials, just bam, 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 both quality and quantity. So you mentioned like the, the, the quality in the sense that people could read that and say, wow, I identify with that. That sounds exactly like my, my situation. Those are the kinds of testimonials he was able to get. So that's exactly what it does. And I think for any of us, like you and I are both in the business of selling professional services and a lot of our listeners are too. That's uh, like Marvin Bauer from McKinsey said, that's one of the toughest things to sell. Why is that? Because it's such a high trust sale. You're selling something intangible. Both you and I are selling something intangible. Now, when you're selling a website, you know, you can, you can show them somebody else's, but at the end of the day, you're still not, you're not pulling something off the shelf and go, this is what you get. You're right. still promising to do something for them. And I think for any of us that are in professional services, we need to understand the more social proof we have, the better, because they feel like they're taking all the risk. We look at it and we go, Hey, we're really good at what we do, but they don't know. There's no way for them to know. And so I think the social proof is, um, is something we need to pay more attention to gathering testimonials. And like you said, you have to have a vision for what your testimonial looks like so that you can help people deliver the testimonial that will actually make a difference to your next round of prospects. Hey, it's Matt. And if you want to turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, that is the question I am obsessed with. And you can get all of my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, etc. It all goes into the micro famous field report, which is available only on Substack. So go to microfamous.substack.com, enter your email address to get access for free. And now let's get back to the conversation. And that's something, so we have a weekly marketing meeting. We actually have two. I'm only invited to one. Uh, but the one I'm invited to, a regular thing that we talk about is like, what are the success stories from this week and who's going to be ready to give us a testimonial? So we're now putting this into our follow-up work when somebody says something, but it used to be kind of ad hoc. Somebody would say, yeah. oh, Rich, you know, I was just getting some updates done by Jeff. I, such a nice guy. I really appreciate all the hard work he's done. And then, then I'd be like, oh, would you mind leaving us a review on your favorite, you know, review platform, Facebook, uh, Google, what have you. Uh, and very often they would do that sort of stuff. But now it's more like, okay, what are we showing? What are we doing? What are we looking to accomplish? We're looking to increase our Facebook ads. What's a good local uh, recent Facebook ad success story? And would they be willing to go on camera or give us a testimonial and that sort of thing? Um, and so that's been uh, that's been helpful. And it also holds us accountable internally because we're like, if we're not able to come to the table and have a story at least once a month of a really nice success, then maybe we're not doing as well as we should be. And we so. need to double down on what we're doing. So that's another big thing too. It kind of, we're using it to keep ourselves honest. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That kind of like, it's, what would I call it? transparency accountability. It's one of those things where the, the accountability doesn't come from you, the top down going, Hey, we need to do a better job. It's like, no, if we're, Hey, if like, it's a, a totally objective measure. If we can't come up with one really good success story X a month, once a month, once every couple of weeks, whatever, then that shows us objectively. We're not hitting our own goals. Doesn't have anything right. to do with how I feel. Right. That's totally objective. It's not about the boss. It's not about me coming down on you. It's about, Hey, this is how the client's feel, um, which I, which I love that, that kind of like, I've tried to like, uh, try to build that kind of uh, accountability within the team so that I'm, it's less about me holding each of the team members accountable to something. It's more about the team holding each other accountable to things that are visible to everyone, which I think that that helps keep everybody on track without feeling like, Oh, Matt's just, it's just hard for, to work for Matt. If that makes right. sense, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And the best shift you can do as kind of a boss or a leader is put the accountability onto that person and say, what do you think you should be delivering to me on a regular basis? Like, here's maybe my idea, but what are you going to do? Like how, and what I found is a couple of, my least favorite thing about being a boss is, uh, 
is employee reviews. I just hate that component of it because I never know what to say. So a couple of years ago, somebody gave me this great advice. I basically hand people a survey and they, you know, questions about what's working for you, what's not working for you, what are you doing well at, what needs to be improved. And then they give it to me and I kind of like, yep, yep, yep. Well, I might disagree here. It's super, and they hold themselves much more accountable than anything I ever would have done. And it makes my life a lot easier because that type of management, that HR management, not really in my skill set. I hate giving constructive criticism because I am the Michael Scott of my company. I just want to be liked and right. feared, but mostly <laughs> liked. <laughs> liked and feared, but mostly liked. Um, well, with you being a big uh, psychology fan, have you gotten into um, like Stephen Hayes' stuff? Acceptance no. and commitment therapy? Um, no, but I will check that out for sure. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so it's like third wave cognitive behavioral therapy stuff, right? So huh. uh, amazing. Um, so I've been getting into his stuff lately and he just made, like he calls it the, the dictator within. Hmm. So like having employees doing their, do their own evaluations is basically having them document what their own inner critic is telling them about their own performance. And then you're coming along and you can say, Hey, this is a little too harsh. You're actually doing a great job here. And here you, you might actually have a point. There's some improvement to be shown here, but yeah, you're basically getting someone to externalize that voice in their head. That's criticizing them. And that voice is already running 24 seven anyway. And it's way more critical than you could be. Cause you actually know what they're capable of. Like, right. like you as a boss don't know, but that like their inner critic knows what they're capable of. So anyway, um, but yeah, if you haven't checked that stuff out, you might, you might really enjoy it depending on what will, part yeah, of psychology sure. you, you like. Let's talk about authority and we'll, we'll close it out. So yeah. authority you mentioned is kind of a, a slippery one. So what do you mean by that? Well, authority, mm -hmm. is, it's interesting. It's interesting today because of course people say nobody pays attention to authority, but we still do. You know, and, and the, the example I always give is if we were back when we could all gather in, in, in closed places, if all of a sudden somebody showed up wearing a hazmat suit or wearing a firefighter thing and saying, get out of here, there's a gas leak, we wouldn't be asking for credentials or calling his or her boss. We would just be getting out of there. And uh, there's a great story, and I think it's an influence, but I might have read it elsewhere, where one of these uh, researchers dresses up as a bank guard goes to a bank, stands outside right next to the ATM. I assume he cleared this with the bank first. <laughs> Hangs a sign on the ATM that says, ATM broken, give deposits to guard. And over no. the course of the day, people handed over $10,000 to him. Now, like I said, I assume he cleared it with the bank first because I'm pretty sure that's fraud otherwise. <laughs> but that just goes to show we're so short on time that we often look for cues that our shortcuts, right? That's what we do. We do that every day, all the time. And that's what a lot of this book is actually about, the shortcuts we take and how to, how to, you can manipulate them. You can work to improve people's lives by identifying them, whatever it may be. So when it comes to authority, uh, sometimes on a website, what you might do is you might think about including things like if you uh, are better business bureau, really well reviewed, or you've got great reviews on Google or Yelp, um, or you've been certified for something that's important. In my business, it might be Google, Google certification. In another business, it might be that you are a contract, uh, legally contracted plumber or a board certified uh, aesthetician, whatever it is. But it's those that, that type of authority that can suddenly give you all of the power as well. Or it could be that somebody who does wield authority in your industry comes and leaves, uh, somehow supports you visibly, either mm -hmm. through social media or on your website. And I'm thinking back to the first time I discovered Derek Halpern's website, Social Triggers. Had no idea who this guy was at the time. Mm -hmm. But at the top of the page, there was an email sign up. 
And it had a quote from Chris Brogan, who longtime friend and, and been a longtime fan of his. And I'm like, oh, if it's good enough for Chris Brogan, then it's good enough for me. And obviously there's no authority for kind of like internet marketers, but Chris Brogan certainly comes close to one, especially at that point where there weren't as many big names in social media. Uh, so those kind of tactics and techniques can be very powerful to communicating your expertise and skills. So what I would look around and try and figure out what are they? And they could even be things like magazines. Like you see a lot of speakers and thought leaders talk about how you've seen me on Fox and CNN and, and in Time Magazine, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that like the world that you and I run in, there's so much of that. And unfortunately, it's also easy. It's getting easier to to fake some of those things. And it is diluting the power of, of authority. But there's still there are still things that remain no matter how author like no matter how diluted it seems to be. There are certain things that people go, oh, wow, like that, that's like that, that's a real one. Um, for example, Seth Godin doesn't endorse many books. So, you know, if you, if you get something, it's because he's come across you or it's been recommended to him behind the scenes and he read it of his own volition and reached out to you and said, I'd like to endorse the book. You can't just email him cold and like, he just refuses, like just bottom line, heck, Hey, I don't, I don't do that. So there's certain things that are left that if even in the circles that you run, and if you feel like it's hard to build that level of authority because it's crowded, there's always something you can get that is still super meaningful for the people that are kind of in the know. Right. And I'm just thinking of the fact that even though apparently no millennials watch cable or network TV anymore, from what I've been told, um, here in Maine, I'm the tech guru on the NBC affiliate. So once a month I go on and I talk about five minutes on some subject around technology or the internet yeah. or, or apps or whatever, um, and then use those on my website and in social media. And even though these are usually very consumer level stuff and not really the kind of stuff I do business with, the fact that I get to be on TV once a month in the local uh, arena is huge. Like mm -hmm. none of my competitors are able to say that. So this immediately gives me a leg up on a lot of the competition. So that's another type of authority, the authority of the gatekeeper of broadcast television. Mm -hmm. And the same could be said for radio or even print. Yeah, hundred percent true. All right. So let's finish out with this. What are you excited about right now? And uh, I know that you're working on taking some people through a process that you're kind of building out so that you can speak on it. So let's talk about that for a quick second. Yeah. I've been developing this thing in my head for, for years, but it basically, it's recently boiled down to this idea of why do some people succeed online or in marketing and some people don't in the same industry. And my belief is that certain businesses have either identified what makes them remarkable or that they have created something that makes them remarkable. And this is not, that idea is not brand new. You know, Seth Godin, you mentioned the purple cow, the blue ocean strategy. It's about finding uh, that differentiator, right? My idea is great, but how do you actually get there? So I developed this thing called the remarkability formula that takes you through four lenses, a process of uncovering and identifying what makes you truly remarkable. And what I'd love to do is, because this is still fairly new for me, is I'm doing this as free consults right now. So if anybody's interested and they're like, I've been struggling with this, I'd love to figure out what actually makes me remarkable, even though that word sounds really too big for me. I want to walk you through the process and show you how remarkable you are. You can go to theagentsofchange.com slash remarkability. And you'll find a little form there, fill it out. I'll get back in touch with you. And hopefully we can jump on for an hour free consult. Uh, and hopefully it's going to help you out and help your marketing and everything else. No strings attached. I'm literally just trying, you know, trying to figure this stuff out. And I'd love to help you along the way. 
Awesome. And then last thing, when is the next conference? I was thinking it was going to be Agents of Change September 2022. Okay. However, I'm starting to wonder. Um, I did see that Social Media Marketing World is planning on being back in March, but um, I know a couple other conferences that that canceled recently, and I think people are not behaving as well as they should. But you know, fingers crossed, we figure this stuff out, and it will be September 2022. Got it. I certainly hope so. So I hope so. Rich, thank you so much. I appreciate your time as always. And hopefully people go check it out because I want people to get into that and learn more about the remarkability formula because it sounds amazing. It's a question that I've often asked myself and, and something that I try to help clients through on the podcast side because we have the same issue there. So hopefully people get into that and you get a lot of experience building that out and become something you get to speak and write on. I appreciate it. And it's always good to reconnect with you now. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now to get the micro-famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the microfamous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that and stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.